to episode 6 of Inside the Arc. Illinois lost their first game on Wednesday night to number 2 Baylor, who looked like a true national championship contender early on this season. Illinois is played by foul trouble to their big man, Kofi Coburn, who picked up two personal fouls in the first half and got another two quick whistles in the second half. All-American guard Ayo Dosumu struggled to get going offensively, finishing just 6 of 18 from the field. However, despite the loss, there seemed to be some encouraging moments and things that Illinois can take away from that loss before heading into a top 10 matchup with number 6 Duke. Brandon and I are happy to be joined by Mike Carpenter of the 200 Level Podcast today to talk about the Illini's loss to Baylor and find the positives and negatives of that first loss. We are now joined by Mike Carpenter of the 200 Level Podcast, which can be streamed on all platforms. Mike can be found on Twitter at FanboyCarp. Thank you for joining us, Mike. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Going to be a lot of fun talking with you guys. So, uh, you know, first things first, of course, Illinois lost Wednesday night, pretty upsetting loss, I think, for a lot of the fans. But what kind of takeaways do you have um, from Wednesday night's loss against Baylor, Mike? Time heals all wounds, I guess. I was very disappointed the night of because it felt like it was five minutes that were the difference in the game where you were toe-to-toe with number two in the nation. And maybe after tomorrow, we're doing this on Friday. So after the Gonzaga and Baylor game, they very well may be number one. And they're going to stick around. They're a veteran team. So there's no shame in losing. I think it was just the way things slipped away from you so fast shows you that as much experience as there is on this team, there are still enough freshmen and younger guys that are key contributors. So you need to grow up quick. And if you want to win the Big Ten and achieve some of these lofty goals that I think are still within reach. So it was a bit of humble pie, but all relative because, again, it was probably the best team that you're going to play the rest of the year. And that includes the likes of Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan State. So good news, bad news. Ultimately, though, knowing what it would have felt like to get a win, I think there's that empty feeling you always have when you kind of miss an opportunity and it felt like it was a bit of that after the first 30 minutes so speaking of those first 30 minutes like you said I mean they were in that game and I thought at one point they were going to pull it out what were some of the positives you took away from those first 30 minutes the positives Georgie for one, I figured Georgie was going to be just sort of backup center Georgie 15 minutes a game and if you can get that freshman year mojo back you have another very valuable player. And to see him play with that confidence again against a team like Baylor, which I know their strength is not their front court, but their front court guys are still pretty good. So I'm hoping that Georgie can continue that. And if it's freshman year Georgie this year, that raises the ceiling considerably. Crabello is showing flashes. We know that he's going to be the four-year pest. Every other Big Ten team is going to grow to hate that guy. And we finally have him on our team, which seems like Iowa and Wisconsin, they usually have that pesky point guard. Uh, yeah, I think the freshman, Coleman Hawkins, even though the stat sheet wasn't really full for him, you saw that he can make an impact as kind of a, a glue guy off the bench, an energy guy. So overall, it was the guys I did not expect to be positives that were. And it was the guys that I expected to have big games, namely Io, who still finished with 18, but not the 18 you would have expected from him. And then Kofi. And that would probably be the biggest concern going forward is that I have not seen really any measurable improvement from Kofi. It's been kind of a lackluster first four games for him. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Kofi's been, I mean, he was up in the MTE despite playing lesser opponents. And then obviously Wednesday night was not his best showing, but another guy who's kind of been up and down so far is Adam Miller. And we saw him break the scoring record for a freshman debut against Chicago state. And then he hasn't made a three in the last two games. So what are your assessments of Miller's play so far? Well, you know what he can do, right? And the thing with this team is that if everyone plays to their full potential, they are a top five team. But we saw that when that doesn't happen, they're more like top 15 
no shame in that. And you just kind of hope they all grow. Adam Miller is someone that after the first few games, I quickly recalibrated my expectations. I thought, okay, Iowa and Kofi one and two in terms of scoring. And then Trent, I thought was going to have a really big senior year, a bounce back season. And then you see Adam Miller play and figure, well, that's our third leading scorer. That, that guy has so much polish to his game already. I think he's going to be fine. And I can re- recall Brandon Paul's freshman year where he had that first game. I was there to see it. And then you're thinking, well, we probably aren't even going to get this guy for, you know, three full seasons. He's going to go pro early, just like we were saying after Adam Miller, after game one, he's still very good. He's going to be in the running for big 10 freshman of the year. I think that uh, you just need to kind of get him back into a rhythm and Baylor is not the team that a guy like Adam Miller is going to get in a rhythm with. I think you could see a far better performance against Duke. um, Even though I I wish that there were the so-called tune-up game against Tennessee Martin. It's a shame that they don't get a kind of, you know, shake off whatever happened Wednesday and get the mojo back against a lesser opponent. You know, I'm happy you brought that UT Martin game up and that obviously got canceled this morning, this morning being Friday. What were you going to look for going into that game or what did you want to maybe see out of Illinois in that tune-up game like you called it? Just sound play. And what I mean by that, that's so, so vague, but you know, turnovers were not the biggest bugaboo against Baylor and Baylor's defense is so disruptive that you're naturally not going to be in full rhythm and off an offense. But I felt like Tennessee Martin would give you the opportunity to go out there start feeling really good about your offense again and, and kind of do the opposite of what the Baylor game did where it humbled you to the point of thinking, okay, in these big games, are we going to be the better team or is, is it going to be a situation where it might be until February and March where we see this team in its full potential? Tennessee Martin, to me, would have been an opportunity to get a little bit of swagger back, which they had the first two games of the MTE. And you couple that with the fact that, yes, you did compete against Baylor for 30 minutes. I think those two games in one week coupled together would have been really good for their mindset entering the Duke game. And instead, you just have to kind of conjure up uh, whatever you need to in practice before you head over to Durham and play Duke at their place no fans, but still. And that can be a little bit trickier to do if you don't have the actual on-court experience against another team, however bad the other team may be. So I'm a little disappointed with that and hope that there's not a sort of, uh, you know, we'll see in the first four minutes of the Duke game, are there cobwebs being off for six days as opposed to just being off for a few? You mentioned that you're kind of concerned with Kofi. Something that Brandon and I were talking about after the game, just in our text conversations, was in August, I feel like a lot of people felt that maybe Illinois' best strength or separating factor against Wisconsin, Iowa, throw Michigan State in that group as well in the Big Ten was their depth. I felt like they had an ability to play nine, ten guys potentially, and now with the injuries to Benjamin Bossman's Redonk, who I guess who was dressed on Wednesday night against Baylor, you still see Austin Hutcherson not with the team out in California and seeing a back specialist. Outside of maybe the depth, and you can comment that on if you want, um, what are you most concerned on with this team moving forward, especially going into Duke? Weird to say Kofi, but I think that it's you know four games in and you got to consider the fact that Baylor is a good team. But I thought, if anything, Kofi would sort of rise to that occasion, which he did last year against the likes of Iowa, especially the last game, which he did against Indiana the week before that. And uh, Trace Jackson, or I, I forget his full name. He's the, yeah, they're, they're stud whose name is escaping me at the moment. But when you look at February and March as a whole for Kofi, really a seven, eight game stretch against some of the better teams in the Big Ten, he found a consistency to his game that he didn't really have, let's say, late December through mid-January. He did have a freshman year swoon. Production-wise, in the first three games, didn't look like he was having a swoon, but there was a lack of energy to his game where most of those buckets were just simply, you know, 
dunks on good feeds from Io or from Andre Curbelo, and you didn't see a lot of ferocity or intensity to his game, which you saw at the end of last year. I don't know what the deal is. I think that he can turn it around. We know he can turn it around, but there just seems to be... I hate to do the body language thing. There just seems to be kind of a detachment from him that I didn't see last year. And you're only going to go so far as he does, as we saw uh, in the Ohio game. Io gave you everything he had, and that still wasn't enough by itself. And then against Baylor, the supporting guys help. We'll bring that together with Kofi finding some consistency and regaining his freshman year form. I think that, yeah, you are that possible top five team. It's just not there yet because he's not there yet. So what do you think Kofi needs to do to get that confidence back heading into this Duke game? Or what can Illinois do to get him confidence going into this really big game? You know, it's sort of like when you watch a young quarterback like Mitch Trubisky comes back and then you're thinking, well, maybe if you just give him some easy routes to complete early in that game against Green Bay, he's going to be okay. I would love to see early on just find Kofi an easy dunk. And that's what he's been doing already. But it would be nice to have him have an impactful moment on offense early in that game against Duke to feel like, yes, he can physically dominate Duke's front court, which he can. That's the thing. Normal years, I wouldn't think that we'd have the front court advantage against Duke, but that would appear to be the case. And we wait for that breakout game. We got it from Georgie, the least expected of all places to have a breakout game. I I would hope that Tuesday night in the bright lights at Cameron Indoor that you would see something like that from Kofi because I can almost guarantee that Io will have a bounce back game. Production wise, he was there ultimately against Baylor, but not for the first 30 minutes. You know he'll be back. Kofi is the bigger question mark. So get him some early touches where he can make some post moves and get a few easy buckets and then I think all will fall into place. I can't believe we just got a Mitch Trubisky Kofi yeah. comparison on our podcast. Apologies for that. that is, uh, <laughs> this is not a Mitch Trubisky endorsed podcast. That's yeah, no, I I do not endorse anything Trubisky related. Uh, even though Twitter last Sunday seemed to be lighting up with Trubisky supporters, which is fine. That's their prerogative. Hey, he's starting Sunday. Yeah, I know. Um, so you talked about Curbelo earlier, and he definitely had his best game of the season last night or on Wednesday night against Baylor, 11 points, four assists, one turnover in just 16 minutes too. Um, Do you think he should be maybe getting some more run? And do you have confidence that he's going to keep this up moving forward? I think he's going to get more run in place of Trent. I think DeMonte has been remarkably consistent. So you're going to continue to see his minutes stay basically where they're at. You know, Io will. And Adam Miller is just too good to keep off the court. As good as Trent is defensively, he is, we saw five turnovers against Baylor. I don't expect another five turnover game from Trent, but Curbelo, while he does have his turnovers, you chalk that more up to, ah, he's a, in a very aggressive freshman point guard, as opposed to Trent, where there are some limitations to what he can do as a ball handler. So I think as time goes on, if Trent does not find his stroke consistently, you're going to see Curbelo taking away some of those minutes. And, you know, I, I feel bad in one way because Trent was the guy that stuck with this program when you were changing coaches. He didn't have to do that. But we have already seen these flashes from Curbelo that really makes the other guys, Io playing off the ball with Curbelo running point. That excites me much more than Trent running point and Io still figuring, having to figure something out that way. So you'll see more Curbelo. I don't know about, you know, 25 minutes a game, but I think pretty consistently you'll start seeing him get about 20 minutes each game. And he should, he's, he's too good to leave off the court. So you mentioned him with Io on the court, and that's something in my eyes that Wednesday night, Io seemed to really feed off of. I feel like at times when Io has a ball in his hands offensively, particularly when Illinois is in the half court, it sticks and the offense gets kind of stagnant. 
How much do you think getting Curbelo in there in the half court could help maybe Io off the ball a little bit? Huge, because you will see no team is going to defend like Baylor, or at least they aren't going to be as effective in doing so. But they're going to look at that tape and see how did they keep Io down for essentially 30 minutes of that game. And they took away the ISO. There was no way for Io to get to the rim, as we saw him do with ease in the first three games. So with Corbello out there able to create, it just opens the passing lanes for everybody. It gives Io more space himself when he does get the ball. And Trent, again, I love Trent, defensively so good and better than Corbello defensively. But if you need to get on a run offensively, I have a little more faith with Corbello running point in terms of getting Io involved if the, <clears throat> if the ISO game just isn't there for him. So now I, I don't think your expectations have probably changed too much after that loss on Wednesday night. But if they have changed, what do you think Illinois might need to do to bring fans back or even bring yourself back moving forward? I think that I was disappointed, certainly. And the expectations only changed a little bit in that instead of top five right now, you're top 15. We know the talent on this team and we know they're capable of getting back towards that top five uh, area. And I'd much rather be there in late February than in early December. They're still fully capable of doing that. I think... There is a general messiness to their first four performances that reminds me a lot of early last season. But I think that you've raised the bar in terms of talent enough where you were able to withstand that in the first three games. And then you just ran into a buzzsaw with Baylor and not many teams are going to be Baylor this year. So no shame in that. I think it was just the fact that even as you were going toe to toe with Baylor, I wasn't sure how they were doing it. There wasn't it wasn't the most efficient of games for either side. It just felt like we were in this sort of muck it up kind of boxing match and just holding our own. But it certainly felt like if you asked me 12 minutes to go in the game, who do you think is more likely to win? I, I definitely would have said, I think Baylor is more likely to go on a run than we are. So how do you get to the point where all of a sudden offensively you can have enough consistency where you don't go in these extended stretches where you have a hard time scoring? The defenses will not be as tough as Baylor, but the likes of Wisconsin, Michigan State, it's still going to be tough. So uh, the biggest question for me going forward is the shooting that you saw in games one and two against very weak opponents. Can you get closer to that against the better opponents? If you can make some threes, this team will be fine because I think the defense overall will be pretty consistent. So now shifting towards Duke and that being on, I believe, Tuesday night. What are you looking for from this Illinois team as they go in there? Um, a team that I think Illinois is clearly better on paper than Duke is, or at least more experienced, which should make Illinois fans feel a little bit more confident, I think, than they were against Baylor. The name on the jersey freaks me out more than the guys on the team, if that makes sense. And I was, God, this is 1995, so I was nine years old when they beat Duke at Duke with Kawan Garris and Bryant Notree. And I remember that game very well, and it was surreal because back then there was this shroud of invincibility with Duke basketball, and that still kind of exists. But I think that... It's sort of like you get into a, the the analogy I use quite a bit is the Baylor game was sort of like you get into the batters, uh, the on-deck circle is a batter and you got donuts on the baseball bat. And then you take them off for the next game against Duke and it's that much easier to swing the bat. I think Baylor is a far better team than Duke. And if Illinois can come out and kind of weird to say this going into a game in, in Durham, if they can come out and impose their will. And I think that they have the ability to do that. We saw what Michigan State did. I think Illinois and Michigan State could be fairly similar in terms of their strengths and what they can do well and their veteran leadership. So that's what I would expect is that this Illinois team, they should win Tuesday. If they don't win, it's a disappointment. And we can't just say, well, it's Duke. 
on the road. There's no fans there. This isn't a traditional game on the road against Duke. You got to win it and get one of those solid non-conference wins because next Saturday in Missouri, that's no given. Missouri's not a bad team. And we've seen the last couple of years how that's went. No, I think you definitely make some great points. And if Illinois was able to go into Cameron Indoor, even without fans, and win the game, even though Duke isn't as highly ranked as Baylor, I do think a lot of people nationally would see that game and respect Illinois a lot more if they're able to pull that one out. So uh, on paper, how do you think Duke matches Illinois matches up with Duke and what expectations do you have for this top 10 battle? You know, I thought that the Duke Michigan state game, which I saw about a half of it, Duke looked so good in the first four or five minutes and they were up about eight or nine points before Michigan state just dominated the rest of the way. And I think if you can just kind of keep Duke from running and just keep him in half court sets. This is the problem with the reload method that a Duke or a Kentucky has. You can't really ask a bunch of freshman guys, even if they're four or five star studs, to run an efficient half court offense without at least a few more reps. So I think that's where you get them. Don't don't allow them to turn it into a track meet and just do your thing defensively. And that should be enough for a win. And I, I almost feel like as I say that, that's overly confident for a game at Duke. But you know, it's one of those things where if you get the win you basically establish yourself on the one or two line in NCAA seating. That's the kind of non-conference win that's going to stick. You know Duke is going to get better as the year goes on. You're just lucky enough to face them early. And I, I hope that – I was hoping Michigan State wouldn't beat them so you could go into an undefeated Duke and get a what's seemingly a bigger win. But I think they gave you the playbook on how to do it. So just keep the game slower, let your defense do the job, and shoot better than you, than you did against Baylor. I think those factors will lead you to a win. I'm happy you brought up the bragging rights game. And I was talking with my dad, actually, who graduated from Illinois in the early 90s, about how much that bragging rights game scares me because of where it is on the calendar this year. I mean, normally it's close to Christmas, right? And you worry about, like, the Christmas lull. But normally Illinois has one or two tune-ups before Big Ten play after that. Um, now they don't have that. Going from Duke, Mizzou to Minnesota – Part of me thinks that that's a game that Illinois could easily just overlook and come out and just look flat, and it's a rivalry game. And I think the last two years have really shown this, Mike, and you might agree. Mizzou just seems to care more about it because of the players on their team. And I don't know how you feel about that game, but it just scares me. Oh, yeah, it scares me too. Last year was one of the more unexpected bragging rights defeats. And it wasn't just that you lost to them. It's that you looked lethargic. You didn't care, and they did. And what makes no sense to me about that is you would think that we would have equally a chip on our shoulder because you had Mark Smith on the team. And some of the guys on this team remember when Mark Smith was there. Well, he said, no, nah, I don't want to be with you guys anymore. You would think that we would just be at least equally as pissed off at them as they are at us for whatever reason. And instead, they have the chip on their shoulder. So that game scares me. I, I hope it's not the proverbial trap game. I'm glad that you have four, you know, What's the what's the difference in one extra day? But going Tuesday, Saturday with two road games is a little bit easier, I think, than even a Wednesday, Saturday. I hate that a coin flip decided you're going to play in Columbia. I would feel much more comfortable here. But these next three games, you mentioned the Minnesota game. We start Big Ten play next week. or I'm sorry, 10 days from now. And these are three games where you can go 3-0. And you can immediately get that mojo back and think, yes, we are a top 10 team and we're going to stick for the rest of the year. But if you have a slip up, especially against, let's say, Missouri, then, yeah, I start having deja vu from last year where you didn't really 
put things together until mid-January. I don't want to wait that long this year. The season, with all the games that are likely going to be postponed, moved around, the uncertainty of even getting to March, I, I want these games to get off without a hitch, and I want to. I want the feel-good moments now, just so I can make sure that we can ride this kind of buzz out for the next three and a half months. All right, Mike, last question while we have you here. Illinois at Duke, Tuesday night, ESPN. Uh, who's going to pull out the victory? I'll go Illinois. You know, as, as disappointed as I was with that stretch against Baylor, there's a reason why you were in that game for as long as you were. And I think that defensively, you'll you'll do what you need to do against Duke. And Iowa will have a bounce-back game. And Kofi doesn't need to be a monster, but I would just love to see some more consistency from him. And if he stays out of foul trouble, get some early buckets, I think he'll do that. So I like Illinois in a sneaky, low-scoring game. You, you saw what Michigan State was able to do against Duke. Follow that playbook. I think you can do that. And just hope you don't face them again in March because that's the kind of Duke team that you want no part of when those guys get going. Um I don't know if they're playing this weekend or not, Duke. I don't know if they have a tune-up. Wish we did. We mentioned the Tennessee Martin game, but all that said, this is the the way it's kind of going to go this basketball season. So find a way to win. You'll get the marquee non-conference win, and that'll bode very well for March. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. Special thank you to Mike Carpenter for joining us today on Inside the Arc. If you're looking for Mike on Twitter, his handle is at fanboycarp. And give his podcast to 200 level a listen. It can be streamed on all platforms. I can be found on Twitter at Alec underscore Bussy. And Brandon can be followed at Brandon Simberg. Thanks for listening and have a great day, everyone.